0: Hello, friends. Welcome back to another episode of Be Here for a While. Today's episode of Be Here for a While is brought to you by Lion Rock Recovery. Let's work on ourselves. Zip Recruiter. Let's find some hardworking employees. Eat your coffee. Let's get revved up to work. I don't know. Should I write ad sales? <sighs> I could have a different career than that. You know what I mean? If stand up doesn't work out or podcasting, I might just go straight into ad copy. Writing, I'm not sure if that's what it's called, but uh, I'm just spitballing here. How you guys doing? I am excited tonight. In about 30 minutes, I'm gonna have to leave because I am doing a show with my guest Hannah Burner tonight. Uh, She's headlining a show in Los Angeles. Hannah Burner's from Summerhouse. You're gonna love our interview. I really, really enjoyed talking to her. Uh, We had a freaking blast. We hung out for like four hours. We did each of each other's podcasts. We chatted. It was so much fun. And before I introduce her, um, one of the takeaways from the podcast, besides a lot of great tidbits about, you know, mental health and, and work ethic and, you know, changing careers and all these things, are our, our generation, and I'm going to make it, okay, I'm going to make a new 2020 resolution um, in m- at March 4th, so I'm a little bit late in the year. My 2020 resolution is to step up my glamour game. Now, here's two reasons why. Number one, I've been listening to this podcast podcast called You Must Remember This a lot. It's about Hollywood's first century, so you're hearing about Marilyn Monroe and Jane Mansfield and Marlene Dietrich and all these people, and their lives just sounded so glamorous. They were always wearing these beautiful dresses. They would, wouldn't go out without their hair and makeup done and everything, and I just think about, you know, like myself today, so my back's feeling a ton better. I don't know if you guys listened to my last podcast where I fractured my spine, Um, I honestly don't feel any pain anymore. It's been like a week and a half, uh, besides when I sleep a little bit. But I feel better when I'm like standing or walking. So I've just been going on my usual like six-mile walks or whatever. But I've been wearing, um, okay, first of all, I love this thing as a waist trainer. But I would probably do the waist trainer at my at-home workouts or like in a gym atmosphere. Like probably not, you know, the six miles I walk through West Hollywood and Beverly Hills and go sit down and have a little lunch maybe halfway through. But uh <laughs> so just to like stabilize my back, I've been wearing this waist trainer thing more as a back brace. And I'm like, I look so freaking awkward and just sloppy and I'm like my hair's never ever really brushed when I'm doing these walks. And I'm like, what am I? Who do I think I am? Like, no one's ever proposed to me. Do I think this is how I'm gonna yes, I have a boyfriend, Greg. What's up, dog? Like but do I think this is how I'm going to, you know, land the man of my dreams, you are Greg? Uh oh, but just keep him just by being like, "You know what? I've given up. I'm in my early 30s and I have given up." No. We need to step up our game because you're going to hear Hannah talk about her Nana and her Instagram handle is Nana still got it because she grew up in a generation similar to my nanny and even my mom where they don't leave the house without, like, full beautiful outfits on, jewelry. My mom wears at least three bracelets and four necklaces, I swear to God, the the amount of jewelry this woman wears. But it's just, there's so much thought. There's Her hair is always curled, the makeup's always good. And I literally, like, look like I just tuck and rolled out of a car and, like, have some, like, street oil on me. And I wanna bring glamour back. So, my listeners, if you're with me, let's make America the world glamorous again it's my pitch to you and it's my promise to you that I'm going to try harder (laughs) Uh, anyways really quickly show dates Um, okay we're adding Texas dates we just haven't locked it in yet and I think I'm adding an Indianapolis date very soon too But the two upcoming ones you can look forward to, um, again, it's going to be me doing stand-up and then I bring Kristen up on stage and we do a live podcast. We freaking loved hanging out with you guys in Detroit. It was so fun. So our next dates are November, sorry, November, Jesus, March, not November, March 28th in Long Island. And then March 29th in Boston. Uh, you can get tickets for both of those at rachelobriancomedy.com backslash shows. So March 28th, Long Island, March 29th, Boston. It's going to be a blast. Um, the Long Island show has, has two shows. It's a 730 and a 1030, I believe, or 730 and 10. Um, and Hannah's going to open for us too. So listen, we're keeping it all in the, the female comic, female Bravo people, family. Let's support each other. And um, yeah, I really think you're going to like Hannah. I think she's so down to earth, so cool. She talks about her struggles with mental health and, you know, changing careers, being on a reality show, then entering the world of comedy and, you know, some certain backlash she's gotten by, you know, getting shows maybe sooner than other comics have. But she's a comics comic. She's working her ass off. She's really sweet, really cool. So without further ado, Hannah Berner. All right. Let's just do this. Hell yeah. Do the damn thing. Yeah. All right. Fellow comedian. Hannah Berner is here.
1: Thank you for having me. I Am I saying like your comedian. last name
0: right? I feel like I always ask people this. Burner.
1: So how would you say it that it wasn't what you just said? Bierner. <laughs> or Berner when I get Ooh, some success. Wow, some like real success. You're so French sounding. <laughs> what are you, by the way? So I'm half Sicilian. Okay. And then my, mom, my mom's name is DeLeo. And then I'm half like Russian, Austrian, Polish, European mutt.
0: Interesting. Yeah. Have you ever taken a 23andMe test or ancestry test? Though?
1: My mother did. Oh, okay. And she's all Sicilian, and she was upset she wasn't more black. Oh. And I think everyone's two percent black.
0: I was not, and I was a little upset, but not surprised based on the way I dance and how flat my ass is.
1: There is a theory that we all started from the same African tribe. You didn't think we'd, we'd go here, but... No, we're I here. like it. We're, we're here. We're here. Let's go. There let's... Was, I watched this crazy documentary, and we're all, it was this African tribe that grew and then started to explore the rest of the world, and then based on climates and stuff, skin changed and like facial structure that. changed. But, so we all come from the same
0: Well, why did I get left out?
1: Yeah, now you just get sunburned with a little bit of sun. <laughs> See,
0: here's the thing. I also don't get sunburned. I have olive skin. I just don't know. I mean, I think it was just... And I, you're
1: 100% Irish? No. Okay, no, that's no, no. why. Yeah. Um,
0: I was very insulted by the 23andMe test because... um, So my last name is O'Brien. Mm-hmm. So I do know, obviously, I am some Irish. But I've been told my entire life how Italian I am because oh. my, my grandma... like. I'm, like, first-generation here. Like, my great-grandfather worked at the Curanali Palace. He was, like, a four-star general, like, lived there. Like, the whole, like, super Roman-Italian, whatever. I got my freaking test. It was, like, you're 9% Italian. I'm, like, who the fuck is lying to me? <laughs> or it is that you can be, like, live somewhere, but not and it's not actually your blood. Uh, I have no idea. I love
1: being Italian. I used to tell people I was fully Italian when I was younger, apparently, and I don't know why. It just, there's such a great, you know, spirit around yeah, it. Me culture. Too but I do also have another So theory. I was hoping
0: that you were gonna be like yeah I thought I was really Italian too but then my blood test came back and oh, I, yeah
1: I'm definitely half Italian one of us is a real Italian here God, um uh, but I are
0: Sicilian that's <laughs> actually in my in my very you very, said
1: Roman and I was like oh we have an issue yeah
0: my very arrogant uh, nanny or grandma whatever uh she would say that it's not real Italian
1: it's so funny because Sicilians say that the northerners are like stuck up and cocky. G- And then the northerners say that we're dirty. My
0: my nanny couldn't be more stuck up and cocky. She also, just a side note, uh, Nanny, if you're hearing this, I love you. But you know, she also has claimed my entire life that she speaks seven languages. I've heard one or two, maybe. Maybe.
1: You're like cursing is not a language. (laughs) It's funny too, these Italians are crazy because when they um came to America if Even if you were from the south of Italy, if you were from like a different town, like I think my grandpa was actually Naples and to be with a Sicilian girl was like a big deal. It's like you're both like dirty Southerners. Just have fun with it. <laughs> so but I do think a lot of comics on the East Coast and the West Coast are from like immigrant families because mm-hmm. there is like... It's called generational trauma. Oh yeah, like, I know exactly what that is. I love generational trauma. Mm-hmm. It's my excuse for everything.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're like my grandparents were in World War II. So
1: I'm like, so why therefore, am I i I'm stressed. Why am I bloated? Generational trauma, damn it, great-grandpa. <laughs> but they, they like <laughs> So, like, I mean, the Holocaust, I hate to use the H word so early in a podcast, but hey. it happened. You, you and have like, to
0: do it. It's not too soon. I and
1: mean, Yeah, it's never really too soon, let's yeah. be honest. And um, it is too late, though. But anyway, <laughs> the in the Southerners, we were, like, poor and dirty, obviously. So, like, coming to America and leaving your family is traumatic.
0: Well, I don't understand the whole, like, dirty part. Like, what, is that, it's, like, a known thing? I just
1: feel like they're known to be, like, classy in the North. Mm-hmm. And the South is, like, not as wealthy, maybe. Um, I
0: think they're all just lying. I mean, honestly. they're all, you're saying
1: they're all dirty. No, I they think they all they're, smell I think like olive oil no, and I basil.
0: I think it's just like the casual racism that like our yeah. grandparents had, where like they just haven't quite grown out of it yet. I do yet. think it's
1: because Sicily is touching Africa, and I feel like Sicily's been conquered by everyone. And that's mm-hmm. th- it's actually fascinating. Like the food there, they have like r- raisin dishes because of oh. Morocco, and like they It's lovely. It, it is. It's quite lovely. A quite yeah. lovely island. I highly recommend yeah. visiting. Listen, it's I a mean, beautiful tropical island. I I apologize that
0: the romans have been <laughs> casually racist towards you guys. I mean, it's, I, the it's romans, not my fault.
1: Yeah, the romans have their own, you know, power struggles.
0: It's so funny like I so I listen to so many like I don't listen to a podcast uh, similar to mine. Like mm-hmm. I'm like I would find myself very annoying. Um I'm the same. I li- <laughs> yeah. yeah. I listen to like a lot of stuff about like history and like I don't know, I like a lot of true crime and The stuff looking back that we used, I mean, we're still horrible now, but like the stuff that people used to get away with and like, it's so shocking and so embarrassing, like, or just even like back in the day when it would be like, oh, you have a cold, here's some heroin. (laughs) (laughs) Here's a pill that's a combination of cocaine and heroin. No wonder they felt lovely. <laughs>
1: but then you think about nowadays, we don't really learn, like something like the coronavirus. It's like, I feel like in 2020, we should know how to deal with this and be like, it's going to be okay. But instead, we're like, this could be a Will Smith movie. Yeah. And one of us is alone with our dog at the end.
0: I do think there's a little bit of mass hysteria going on. It's probably not necessary. Yeah. For
1: it. Yeah. Like- I've had that talk with many people where I'm like, it's just a bad flu, right?
0: I think more people die of the flu than they, you know, people die of the flu every year. Right? I have
1: a show in San Francisco this weekend. Mm-hmm. and My mom literally texts me and goes, hey, you probably shouldn't go to San Francisco. I was like, mom, I don't need this right now. Okay, <laughs> let's get
0: into it then. I want to know. Okay, so, okay, so what side of your family is Italian? Your mom's my side? My mom's side. Okay, what was your, what is your dad? My dad
1: is like Austrian, Russian, Polish, Jewish. Okay.
0: So is your mom like super intense? Uh, sounds like she might be a little bit of a worrywart. She's
1: type A. Like, OCD principal of a middle school, like, has her shit so together, went to an Ivy League school, like... Oh, yeah. Like, she's the shit.
0: Yeah, and she's saying you shouldn't go to an entire city for (laughs) what could happen. My mom couldn't be more similar.
1: (laughs) Well, it's the the Italian, like, they're always, are you okay? Why aren't you eating your food? What's going... They just have... Well, again, it's the anxiety from their past of Mm -hmm. being, like, immigrants. But also, that's why I think we're funny, is Mm -hmm. because we've been, like... The Jews are so fucking funny because Mm -hmm. of their trauma. Oh, yeah. They have to laugh at it. So I think so many comedians are, you know, from immigrant families. Yeah,
0: true. I actually think the Jews and Italians are very similar. So similar. Yeah, very similar. Like the anxiety, but also like they're funny.
1: They're funny. They're loud. They Eating is they a big love part of the culture. My passion. Yes.
0: You have a butter necklace, which made me very happy. Yeah, and I'm like I'm a cat, huge fan of
1: dairy, and I love pets with cat. I mean, yeah, pets with food names. I I, I, I think it's the most adorable thing ever.
0: So all of us know someone who's been affected by addiction. It could be a family member, a friend, or it could even be you. But did you know that it's now possible to get help for substance abuse problems online from the privacy of your home? Because think about it whether you're struggling with it or a family member or friend, a lot of times they don't have time to go to an inpatient facility or they don't want to feel, and you shouldn't, by the way, feel shame for getting help for yourself. Honestly, you should be so proud of yourself if this is what you're doing, but a lot of people don't want to feel the shame or the inconvenience of leaving their home life or their work life. And Lion Rock makes it easier to get help when you need it, and their evidence-based, accredited outpatient treatment is 100% online. Lion Rock offers professional help without the inconvenience and high price tag of having to go to an inpatient facility. Plus, you won't have to worry about anyone finding out what you're going through. Lion Rock is the most confidential way to get help, so there's no reason not to. If you feel like you're hitting a wall with, you know, any any addiction or maybe a mental health reason that's causing that addiction. There's no reason not to get help confidentially with Lion Rock. And when you join them at Lion Rock, you'll have therapy sessions led by a licensed counselor using secure video conference and you can choose the session times that work for you and they offer super flexible schedules in every US time zone and they truly believe in meeting people where they're at. So they even offer a health and balance program for those who just want to maybe reduce or modicate their alcohol use and they offer free online support groups and workshops to anyone who needs help but isn't ready to commit to a treatment program. There are so many options out there to take care of yourself. And you don't have to be a client to take advantage of their free support groups. They're open to anyone, no strings attached. So if you or someone you know wants truly confidential and effective help for a drug or alcohol problem, their counselors are standing by to chat, text, or talk whenever you're ready. And they are so awesome and supportive. A lot of them have been through it. They are so there for you. So visit lionrockrecovery.com slash be here for more info and a free and totally confidential consultation. For Be Here For A While listeners who enroll in Lion Rock's IOP program, simply mention coupon code be here, and they'll send you a free Amazon Fire preloaded with everything you need to log in and get started. Terms and conditions apply. Lion Rock is there for you. So visit lionrockrecovery.com slash here. Get the help you need. You deserve it. Take care of yourself. Okay, so back to your mom and oh, your yeah. upbringing. Mm-hmm. So tell me a little bit about like where you grew up, like what possibly what got you into comedy but mm-hmm. t- tell me about it and we're so, gonna get to your grandma at some point oh because yeah she's it's all my-
1: comes back to Nana Yeah, um, I'm from Brooklyn New York originally mm-hmm. I'm from a place called Park Slope okay. and it's like if you know Hey Arnold there's like Stoop Boy Won't Leave a Stoop I grew up on like a brownstone with a stoop Okay, and all the brownstones are next to each other this one I'm trying to give people visuals if they're like in LA or No, I I I, I you're so taking me on the that's journey. That's where I grew up. And yeah. then um I started playing tennis. Very I was a very like hyper athletic kid and I think my parents just wanted to like tire me out at night. So I started <laughs> playing sports.
0: They're so, like just let her run around the block a little yeah, bit. <laughs> literally. I have <laughs> tire a ter- her out. I have a
1: terrible memory of my brother and I would eat at this Mexican restaurant on the corner with my parents and my dad is also super competitive and after we'd eat Mexican food, he would just say go and then we'd both just run to see who would get to the house fastest up a block which first of all unsafe to let your kids just run away from you what in new york it? city it was
0: the 90s it was the 90s yeah. it was a nice no time no one no one knew better Clinton that everyone yeah. was
1: happy yeah. <laughs> and um then we'd probably have diarrhea afterwards but anyway I came from my dad's family is very like sports oriented my mom is you know cared a lot about school so I grew up in a house that was I like to say I was raised kind of gender neutral okay like my parents didn't really it was never about like being girly or being a girl i love that and it didn't like turn me into like a huge lesbian it just i think set my priorities differently and like what i value in myself Mm -hmm. um and if i was a huge lesbian i would get so much pussy but i'm just saying now instead i'm just hating men and alone um (laughs) So you never know But <laughs> So then But I would, always was silly And creative Like mm-hmm. I always loved Being in front of the camera And I was bossy And annoying But I started playing tennis And then tennis Kind of took over my life For like Until I was 22
0: <laughs> So I feel like tennis So uh, Okay So I also think everyone from the East Coast is rich. I just that's just like my perception and uh, because I'm from a very small town in Oregon where like I didn't know what boarding boarding schools didn't exist Uh like I like I mean I'm lucky that I even went to college. There's what's it called
1: East Coast Elite. That's what I think everyone is. I didn't know that was a thing until like I was talking to Wisconsin people because I went to Wisconsin They're like oh East Coast Elite. It is a thing. Yeah, it's
0: just my perception of it. And so when I think about you saying like, oh, and then you started in tennis, it's like that sounds like a very rich people sport. It's like sport. a country
1: club sport. Yeah. But it's funny because... So did you
0: grow up very wealthy?
1: I grew up very like below middle class. I mean, my...
0: But it was that New York it's standards New- though because Probably. It's
1: like- I mean, we, we also, um, to get it... Not to get too deep into my family's finances, but my <laughs> grandpa was a gym... He was a gym teacher. He was okay. a basketball coach. I have a lot of teachers in my family and he bought in the seventies when Brooklyn was not good, he Uh brought he bought a Brownstone and that Brownstone he bought for like $20,000. was then worth like multiple millions of dollars. But he, he like was, he's one of those coaches that like, he he would like save kids lives and like get them out of jail and like he was just an amazing guy he's still around he's 90 okay but he went to long island and then my my dad and my mom were like just trying to build a life together Mm -hmm. and they were like can we live in that house like don't sell it can we live in it so i grew up living like a nicer life than like my parents did great considering that they like had you know they didn't hit the lottery with anything yeah so like we would they were able to afford tennis lessons but it's it was hard like my brother gave up his lessons for me growing up cuz he said I liked it more
0: Wait your brother Sounds so sweet So sweet He
1: also was My dad was very intense Is he
0: single Should we pimp him out To people
1: He's engaged He's such <sighs> a catch Okay whatever He's incredible Um, And like try to pimp He's a out normal one so I would 100% I'll still pimp I used to He has blue eyes And blonde hair So when we And Jealous. he's like A year Two years younger than me And when we'd go out I'd pretend I was his girlfriend And cock block him Against everyone So that was fun that <laughs> So was, that's
0: healthy It's healthy Not incestuous. We have a weird oh. relationship
1: <laughs> <I'm just joking. laughs> But it's funny There is that East Coast elite where, like, when you're rich in New York, it's another level. You're so rich, yeah. It's it's like you've done illegal shit. You know that rich where you're like, people have died for this to happen. Totally. (laughs) Like, I have friends who like, you go to the Hamptons and they own a yacht. Like that kind of fucking rich where it's insane. So like, it's fascinating. My dad was in sales. My mom was a, a teacher, and we had we. But we just had, I had such a great upbringing. Like, it was actually for a comic, I had a pretty nice upbringing. My parents love each other so much. Um, and te- But tennis, because my parents weren't like wealthy, mm-hmm. I did feel a lot of pressure because they like, they took out a mortgage to like send me to a tennis academy. Oh, wow. Like, it was kind of that where like.
0: It sounds like you are really good parents though. Like, they, they were, really believed they would in do
1: anything. That, and I remember being they were told if Hannah wants to go pro, she has to go to Florida. Mm -hmm. They literally sent off their 14 year old because I was, I like begged them to. And I'm so close to them. It must've been so hard.
0: So I feel like you had a very similar, and I think you'll, you'll be able to relate to this, um, upbringing to maybe I did not necessarily in like, I mean, I'm from a very small town in Oregon, whatever. And I also thought my parents were rich, but it's not that hard to be rich in a <laughs> town of 3,000 people. I was like, my parents bought me a Toyota 4Runner when yeah, I was I'm 16. Yeah, I'm like, my parents okay. are
1: homeless. And you're like, no, they're actually doing really well. <laughs> New York's insane.
0: It's insane. So, okay. So there's, there's a theory about comics that you think like, oh, they're so damaged or whatever. But mm-hmm. there was a book written by this comic named uh, Rich Scheidner, who was like really big in the like 80s comedy boom. And, he, and I think he nails it. And we'll see if you agree, that there are two pi- two types of people that become comics. Um, there is the prisoner and the prince. So prisoner meaning like someone like Richard Pryor had like a horrible childhood or mm-hmm. many comics that had horrible like trauma and childhoods or whatever mm-hmm. um who who then get into comedy because they want to like prove like, hey, look at me, I need attention. Like I look I'm yeah. funny, I have value. Yes. Or there is a type of comic where I think that well, I did also have trauma and I'm sure you did too as yeah. a child. Um but had such genuine praise from our parents constantly, we would fall into like the Prince category. That would be like a Jerry Seinfeld or someone who like, you have such blind confidence because people just told you you were great all the time, even if you weren't like, and well yeah it's like
1: what kind of person believes that someone wants to hear them talk for an hour yeah so psychopaths someone, so but there's different ways of getting full there on
0: attention or someone that was told they were way too or great like,
1: yeah that you nailed it but i do think that tennis i was getting tons of praise but i was actually like really struggling emotionally mm-hmm. because i dealt with really bad performance anxiety but back then growing up mental health wasn't something people talked about yeah and i would like like if you've ever played a sport it's like you get the yips like I would I was playing what what does that mean the yips means like you like for a baseball player to just like forget how to throw a ball it's like your brain just decides it's not doing it and I was playing like number one for the University of Wisconsin I was like ranked top in the nation in juniors Oh wow! and I would like just get I was get I would get so scared of failing that I couldn't function and I would still like win matches but it was like really traumatizing and hard It surprises me you would go into comedy though If you felt that If you got
0: performance anxiety From such a a young age Mm -hmm. Do you experience that in
1: comedy? I I I literally feel like it was That's a great question I was dealing with all this I love the performative aspect of tennis But like the wins and losses Because it it caused so much drama in my life In terms of like coaches and stuff I I created this terrible fear And I deal with anxiety But as I got more aware of it I felt like stand up is very similar to tennis in that like you're alone on the court, Mm -hmm. you're alone on stage with your own brain playing tricks on you. Mm -hmm. And then it's the variable of the crowd and the variable of like the person you're playing against like Mm -hmm. ice skating. It's, It's you could close your eyes. It'll be the same thing as practice and performing. It's just more nerve wracking. But like, I think
0: ice skating sounds terrifying.
1: No, it's completely terrifying. But there's not like a variable of like like a tennis match. You could be as prepared as you think you are, but if the tennis if the girl's forehand is really good, you're like fuck. I see. Or like if the crowd is really drunk, Mm -hmm. you're like fuck. Um, So tennis and stand up is really similar. I felt like I was given tennis when I quit. I was heartbroken. It was like the worst breakup I've had in my life. Why did you quit? I quit because after college, I was still dealing with, like, mental issues. But, like, you, I was winning a lot, but I wasn't happy. Mm-hmm. Like, it was, like, a drug where, like, the win, I'd feel nothing. But if I lost, I'd, like, lose my damn mind. Mm-hmm. Like, if I won, I'm, like, thank God I didn't have to deal with losing. And if I lost, I'd be depressed for, like, weeks. So I – um and, and also tennis, it's not, like, another sport where, like, if you go pro in basketball – You just get put on a team and they pay for all your travel and everything. Tennis, you're alone. I only get paid when I win. Mm -hmm. I have to pay for my own travel, my equipment, a coach. And I was like, you know what? I don't want to be broke. And deep down, I was like, I think I have another side to me that I haven't discovered or Mm -hmm. like put effort into. But I would like literally cry at night sometimes being like, why did I put my heart and soul into something that didn't turn out how i thought it. i wanted to be a yeah. professional tennis player since i was seven years old yeah that's all i wanted
0: okay i'm super fascinated by this now. <laughs> so i have a few questions Yeah. number one I, i'm very confused by if you had that much pain and trauma towards being alone in the sport mm-hmm. and then you went into stand-up i know you're saying they're similar mm-hmm. but you're also saying that you had a lot of pain and trauma yes. regarding being alone in tennis and Stand-up's the same way. You're alone on the road. You, you you buy your own flights. You often get your own hotels. Yep. You, are, you are doing... It is a very solo, solo sport. So it surprises me if it c- caused you that much
1: mm-hmm.
0: pain in I tennis. I think it you- was...
1: I actually loved being alone. Uh-huh. I, I loved... There were so many things I, I did love about tennis, but I had been... I didn't understand myself yet, and I was I was putting so much pressure on myself, and I was basically like having mental breakdowns all mm-hmm. the time, where I think that I... I think stand up is like a second chance for me, like from the yeah. universe being like, okay, did you learn from everything you learned from with tennis? That
0: makes a lot of sense. And also,
1: stand up has become like tennis is the hardest thing I've ever done. Stand up to me is like, I'm gonna try my hardest, and afterwards, you know, when you do well or you don't, but like, you don't have a fucking loss. Your ranking doesn't go down. You didn't directly lose to the girl across the net. I don't net. know. It, just, it often feels like that, it, though. It can feel, but, like, after doing Try something... Try reading,
0: a, like, a, a, a review about yourself after you, <laughs> like... Or, or, like, the way true. people might, like... Yeah.
1: it's It's true, but it's more in, like, a creative way where it could be, like... Oh, well, some people liked it, some people didn't. Okay, that's true. You're like, tenants you're good or a fucking you're loser. Yeah, that's like, true. Like you lost, you're a loser. can be subjective. That girl's better than you, fuck you. Where yeah. like stand up, like someone would be like, she was my favorite. And someone would be like, oh, she was my favorite. And you're like, I oh, okay, that night. makes sense. It just, it just, but stand up has given me what I missed, which was that high mm-hmm. of like the nerd. Like I. Everything that scared me with tennis, I also loved. It was like an abusive relationship. Yeah. But then stand-up, I actually has like all the things I loved about tennis without the like coaches yelling at you after. I mean, if you think about it, because I was doing it t- since I was seven, I had like the pressure of my parents affording the sport. Mm-hmm. The That's lo- a lot. When I'd win... The household was a nice place when I lose it wasn't always as nice mm-hmm. like but now stand up's the one thing that I chose for me my mm-hmm. parents there's no coaches that are involved at all mm-hmm. and it's almost like I have this like re like emergence of a new life mm-hmm. after I've matured after I've handled I've gone to therapy I've worked on my anxiety and I feel like stand up is a combination of like creativity and performance and like competition that I've mm-hmm. I'm like I like I'm I'm in love with it, uh, but it Sylvester. still has enough fear that I feel alive. Yeah, like enough anxiety that I feel like I'm functioning.
0: Yeah, I think you summed that up perfectly. There is like, <laughs> it's, it's a weird like love hate relationship. Your questions with are it. totally
1: like make sense and true. Yeah, it's almost like I I wasn't done with tennis, and that's why it's so painful to me. And then stand up came, and I was like, oh, because you were doing what you wanted to do, but just not like in the right place, mm-hmm. and I also. I learned just because you're really good at something doesn't mean it's what you're meant to do. Like, I was really good at tennis, Mm -hmm. but my heart and my head were, like, always fighting themselves. Guys, hiring used to
0: be hard. Multiple job sites, stacks of resumes, a confusing review process. But today, hiring can be easy. And you only have to go to one place to get it done. Did you hear me? One place to get it done. That's ziprecruiter.com slash here. So here's what ZipRecruiter is so amazing for. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job sites, but they don't just stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply to your job. You can even add screening questions to your job listing so you can filter candidates and focus on the best ones. There's no wonder why ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. And right now... You can try ZipRecruiter for free. If my listeners go to ziprecruiter.com/b here. That's ziprecruiter.com/b here. That's Z I P R E C R U I T E R.com/b here. B E H E R E. ZipRecruiter.com/b here. ZipRecruiter. The smartest way to hire. Well, do you feel like maybe it was, like, too easy for you? Like, it wasn't necessarily, like, a challenge? Because you were so good at it, and it was just, like...
1: I think because I was nat- so good at a child, I was immediately put under so much pressure that, like, I wasn't prepared for. Mm-hmm. Like, I just would start winning matches, and next thing you know, it was like, oh, um if you lose to anyone Mm -hmm. that's fucked up because you're supposed to be the best in the East right now. Do you, um,
0: do you have any like resentment to your, towards your parents at all for like, Hey, you guys made me feel like when you said like, you know, the child or the household was not a happy place when you lost. Like, do you, have you ever spoken to your parents later? Like, Hey, you guys put way too much pressure on me. It wasn't.
1: Yeah. I think like coaching your kid, I don't know the feeling yet but it must be a weird feeling Mm -hmm. where like you love them so fucking much and my parents were like I almost want them to be less attentive like Mm -hmm. I wish they didn't care as much as they did Mm -hmm. Um, and that's a pretty good fault to have but I talk about it actually the first season I was on in summer house I have a scene with my dad Mm -hmm. because I was actually in therapy working on like why I had such bad taste in men (laughs) 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 which it happens who doesn't who doesn't yeah Um, men are it's tough it's hard to come by a good one these days but I basically realized that like i was not used to like unconditional love Where mm-hmm. like when your dad is your coach it means that like it, the whole dad hat doesn't come on and off he just kind of becomes your dad coach interesting and then yeah. when i would win it would make him so happy and when i lose it would like really make him upset or mm-hmm. sad because he cared so much and then you probably
0: feel like oh, I, I so i, I always I, I disappointed felt, him i disappointed him yeah. i always
1: felt like i had to perform for love Mm. And maybe I am to an extent doing that, but in a healthier way now where I'm doing it through stand-up. Yeah. But I just felt like I was a young girl. I wouldn't call any part of stand-up healthy, but sure. No, it's not healthy. (laughs) We're being honest with each other. I like that. But I'm like, but I basically, as a 12-year-old, felt like I had to win so like my dad would be proud of me. Well, yeah. realistically, like it, it was probably more in my own head, um, yeah. but it was true.
0: Well, what happened in the conversation you
1: guys filmed? He, he basically say like, said, "Like I am so sorry for those younger years. Like I totally understand how that made you feel like that, and I just like, well, it had by sixteen. I said you can't come to my matches anymore, mm-hmm. and he, we had to like reevaluate our relationship to be like, Dad, what's more important, us or this stupid game?" Mm-hmm. He basically was so he was living vicariously through my tennis Mm -hmm. and he believed in me more than anyone like Mm -hmm. i'd be playing the number one girl in the in the nation he'd be like and i'd lose and he'll be like what the fuck like you should have killed that girl Mm -hmm. and like in my head i'm like but she's really good and i lost but he had so much belief in me which gave me like a crazy belief in myself but also like i just felt no room for failure yeah and as a perfectionist it was really hard for me
0: that is a difficult like i relate to that a lot i think i'm one of my biggest faults is being a perfectionist. Mm-hmm. Like, it's painful to not do What's well. What's your signs? Cancer?
1: What's your other signs? Do you know? I
0: don't know. Okay. My mom can't remember the time I was born, even though she was super attentive mom. my entire life. Yeah, so... <laughs> even
1: though she complained about every other little detail. Yeah. <laughs> but I do think what I learned about my chart, and I got advice from someone, I'm like a Leo, and then I'm also a Virgo moon, who's like very detail-oriented and perfectionist. Mm-hmm. And she said... You are going to be successful, but the only thing that can hold you back is you trying to be perfect.
0: Yeah, I relate to that a lot. Very much so. And I try like, to be
1: like, repeat that in your head next time you're having like an anxiety spiral about like one thing you said to someone.
0: Yeah, Ugh, it's a fucking <laughs> worse. Oh my God. Especially
1: when we try to be funny and you're like, was that terribly disturbing to that person? Or does that person think I'm a cunt?
0: Or do you do this where it's like, let's say... 80 to 90% of people could be like, I loved your stand-up show. You were so great. But mm-hmm. then 10% maybe said something mean or you read something. Mm-hmm. I only focus on the 10%, like, which is such a bad thing where it's like, why am I not happy that, that most people enjoyed it? Why am I focusing on winning those other like people over? Like it would be so much more healthy to be like, Hey, you know what? It doesn't matter. I'm not everyone's taste. Cool. Like that's it's fine. It's also
1: like if, if I were to show you a, a bunch of people of one sweater mm-hmm. and like Do you think everyone will like it? Yeah. It's just... No. That's how life is. Yeah. But you do want the majority, obviously, as something is good. I learned... One piece of good advice I learned in in stand-up was, like, it's so easy to notice the one person yawning on the right or, like, the the table that just, like, is not having a good time. Mm -hmm. And someone said, like, psychologically, if you put attention towards them and you start calling them out or being like, what, do you guys hate? Whatever. The rest of the audience starts to feed on that negative energy. Yeah, Where it's like, if you just put your energy towards the people who are laughing, the other people will actually eventually get on board. Mm-hmm. And if they don't, who cares? Cause
0: I think it's honestly like a good analogy for just life in 100%. general, whether or not you're a comic or not, just like, why are you focusing on the one bad thing? Like it's, yeah. I believe
1: in, I'm like kind of spiritual. I don't know, but I, I do believe in energies in terms of like, there was a, a test or experiment where there were two plants growing mm-hmm. and a woman was, would like yell at one plant. Mm-hmm. like mean things and then the other plant she would be like you're doing amazing i love you sweetie <laughs> and the other the plant that she talked positively to grew into a beautiful flower and the other that. one didn't 100
0: percent believe in that and i'm yeah. like what
1: if we dealt with our minds like that
0: well i i honestly think that we are you would never treat another human the way you treat yourself in your own brain like Ugh. you would like you would there's no way the way you talk to yourself you would ever talk to another person yeah unless you were a fucking you know sociopath but But
1: what actually got me out of a lot of my anxiety issues with tennis and stuff is because i used to believe the voice in my head Mm -hmm. and whenever like a a disturbing thought would come in like what if you can't serve today and then i'd like make it a reality Mm -hmm. i learned that that voice is not you that voice is words from like You know, mean kids growing up bullying Mm -hmm. you or a coach or a parent Mm -hmm. or society.
0: Your brain can only process a certain amount of like bits like your unconscious. Sorry, this is a weird fact that I know (laughs) your unconscious brain uh, processes like 50 billion bits per second. I'm probably getting the thing wrong. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's your that's like your childhood trauma. Anything anyone's ever said to you that you don't even freaking know that's going into it your conscious brain only processes, I think, 50 bits per second. It's, like, a very minuscule amount. Like, you can only control this small part of it. That that other stuff is just just weird things that, like, lies you're telling yourself, things that people have uh, said to you that you just sort of filter through and, you know.
1: And once you decide that those, like, subconscious thoughts don't have to control you, mm-hmm. that's when, like, life started to change for me. Yeah. And that's when I, like the reality show. I don't think early on I would have had the confidence to go on a reality show. Yeah. I would have been like I would what if I said something stupid and everyone thought I was stupid? Like I've had those kind of So thoughts. when did
0: it change for you? When did you I mean cuz yeah, if if you are kind of the anxious perfectionist person that you say that mm-hmm. you used to be, when did it change enough that you could go on reality TV and
1: be a just an out there version of yourself? Great question. I think tennis. The tough part about being an athlete is that I always just listen to what other people told me and you you're not taught to actually understand how you feel. Mm -hmm. Like if your coach is like, how are you feeling? You just say, I'm great. I'm not nervous. I'm not sore. I'm perfect. So like I would like get fevers and like not know I had a fever. Like I was really disconnected from myself Mm -hmm. because I was in such soldier mode and it took time after college and it was hard, but I had to start thinking like Hannah, what do you want to eat today? Mm -hmm. Who do you want to hang out with? What do you want? Like, what do you want? And I didn't know. And then finally I was like doing sales at a company that I was not having fun with And I was feeling like my soul was dying. Mm -hmm. And I saw an old video from when in college I did a couple like sports videos, like sports broadcasting. Mm -hmm. That's where I learned how to edit. And I was like, I want to do video. I just Mm want to do video. I don't know how I'm going to make money, but I can't do this for the rest of my life. And that was like the first time like that young girl Mm -hmm. who was like creative and fun and not fucked up by like whatever happened was like being heard again. Mm -hmm. And I literally quit my job, got a like – internship at betches and our freelance position getting paid like nothing and then so that was like the first step towards me like being in alignment i like to call it mm-hmm. then this is fucked up but i had a, a pretty bad relationship um with a narcissist mm-hmm. and i like lost started to lose myself and i thank god got out of it mm-hmm. and then realized all i want in life is to not be depressed Yeah. So once I was like, all I want is to listen to what I want and not be depressed, life became like a different perspective for me.
0: So you almost made like uh, more simple goals as opposed to like, I have to be the best at everything. It was just like, I just don't want to feel sad.
1: Yeah, maybe that's how I like combated my perfectionism because I was like, I want to be perfect at yeah not hating myself Mm -hmm. or waking up in the morning and feeling like myself with people like Mm -hmm. and then once you realize that that's actually that's
0: actually really good advice honestly like I think that like I hope that my listeners get something out of that Mm because you just touched me in a way of like that is like honestly the you have to start with that to get to anything and then you get once like
1: I hate to say it but like when you get really low like I was in a really low place then you start getting gratitude when you're not depressed. Mm -hmm. So I like got this newfound gratitude and then I was just being like, once I got out of the depression, I was just skipping around the fact that I could like talk to someone and feel like myself again. Mm -hmm. And then once I found myself, I was like, I'm never going to fucking lose this bitch. Yeah. And then once I got in like my alignment, it's like surfing, I've only surfed once But I like to even pretend Like I surf <laughs> You know the old Surfing I'm analogy like, I'm like L.A. podcast Like you know When you're surfing In Malibu um, Or you're surfing On the subway in New York But like if you don't Get a wave It's like hard But once you get on a wave It's like smooth yeah. It's like I found my My groove And I was writing These comedy videos I was writing Tons of memes And I was having So much fun And then I got the call My name was being Thrown around for Summer House And I remember Being like I never thought I'd be a reality TV show. I'm actually way too competitive to ever do a dating show. Mm-hmm. I think I'd lose my damn mind. But my mom was like, oh my God, the Hamptons, fun. You, that seems cool. And I s- remember telling them like, I'm not going to be your hot mess girl. Like I'm not actually that good at drinking. Mm-hmm. Turns out I do actually drink pretty well on the show but I like to tell myself I was like I'm not I'm just delicate um, <laughs> i <a> delicate flower <laughs> yeah. but I'm like I want to show that girls can be funny girls can be athletic girls can be leaders like I was very like gung ho to like go on the show to make a difference um and then I just like peed in the hot tub a lot and had fun. What are you? Wait, I'm sorry. What? <laughs> we do have a hot tub, which I lo- it's basically is this something Jersey that Shore. You, you've
0: been peeing in the
1: hot tub on the show a couple what? times. But is that like part of the storyline? Um, it's you know it's in and out of my storyline. Hey, I, I think, think it's, embrace it. I'm, I mean, it's warm water. No one yeah. knows. And no I know you're gonna. gonna get out to pee? God no. God no. Especially when you're there trying to drink your whatever <laughs> you're drinking there. But I do think also because I went through a bad little. Doubt. I mean, it was like a year of depression. I mean, I feel like everyone in their twenties has that like bad time where mm-hmm. they're like, "What
0: is life?" Once like everyone's had it, it, it. There's not one person that's probably never felt depressed at a certain point. I don't. Yeah,
1: and mine was like some. It, it got triggered by certain relationships that like made me basically. If you don't deal with your shit, it's gonna come out in other ways.
0: I have a new obsession, and that's eat your coffee. Okay, I won't sing that, but I need you to know that. I just ate an Eat Your Coffee bar to get ready for my stand-up show tonight, and I am flying high and feeling mean because Eat Your Coffee is the quickest and easiest way to get nutrients and a little boost of caffeine. So Eat Your Coffee was founded by college students who wanted a quicker, more natural way to stay alert, so they created the original naturally caffeinated snack bar fueled by organic coffee. And since 2015, they've been crafting a range of vegan, gluten-free, non-GMO and kosher snacks from bars to nut butters ready to fuel your day. And each of their snacks has either a shot of espresso or a cup of coffee in each one and is always fueled by real organic coffee. And we want you to get a free trial of Eat Your Coffee products because I've been loving it. I seriously, like I'm not someone that can just sit down and have a hot cup of coffee. I feel like I'm always on the go and I'm in a rush and I also need a little bit of food and nutrients. And that's why Eat Your Coffee is so perfect for a life on the go. And they have options for just about everyone from keto connoisseurs to endurance athletes, to busy moms looking for a midday pick-me-up. And Eat Your Coffee has a number of ways to stay stocked on their products but the coolest way is through their friends and benefits plan that they built in to put an end to annoying subscriptions. So instead of signing up, forgetting, and seeing unnecessary charges pile up, they send you a quick text to confirm, change, reschedule, or cancel your next shipment. Simple as that. And you can also just chat if you're up for that. You have a really awesome customer service experience and we think, and I think you should try these ASAP. I've been obsessed with them. Actually, Everyone I know has been obsessed with them since I introduced them. And the good folks at Eat Your Coffee are extending the same free trial that I got to all of my listeners. So if you want to give this a try, you can pick any of their free trial options, just chip and shipping, that's it, from the original snack bar line, their keto bundle, or the one they put together for the chocolate lovers like myself. Just text BEHERE, that's B-E-H-E-R-E, that's all one word, no spaces, To the number two nine zero seven one, to give eating your coffee a try. So that's just text B here to the number two nine zero seven one, to give eating your coffee a try.
1: So after I was dealing with it and got out of it, I felt like the show was a cool way for me to be like, yeah, I'm on TV, but um, yeah, I deal with stuff too, or yeah, I deal with anxiety. Well, that's
0: kind of um like in your podcast description, Mm -hmm. that is part of the basis of your podcast is like mental health. So. How much has that played a part in your entire life? Like is it is mental health something you struggle with often? Or
1: I, I feel like mental health is something that I didn't know I struggled with. Mm-hmm. Like I was that type A, like, um, like got straight A's in school, tennis player. Everyone like kinda put me on a pedestal, like, tennis does so well. Mm-hmm. So that's why I wanna be like, that doesn't mean you're happy. And totally that's yeah. why I think my podcast, Burning in Hell, has it's it has it's a mental health comedy podcast because people that you least expect it are struggling with 100%. the same things. And I think when I started working in entertainment, I was meeting all these people who had what I like aspired to have, mm-hmm. but then also realized that they're all fucking insane. Oh, yeah.
0: I mean, I'd like Conan <laughs> O'Brien, for example, yeah. publicly talks about the fact that like he struggles so bad with like depression and being mm-hmm. a, like very a type and like he's on medicine and things like, mm-hmm. I think it's very helpful when people in the public eye like that, where you're just like, they have everything I'd ever want. Like, yeah, that doesn't make you necessarily happy. Everyone has their childhood or trauma some of them or generational are, are trauma. Or just better
1: dealing with it. Or some people's mental health issues make them really good at something, but it doesn't mean they're happy. Totally. Like there's so many comics that like they can't be off stage and find happiness. Like they just need that high mm-hmm. or like, Ryan Serhant from um, I like to use this as, as an example from Million Dollar Listing on Bravo. Uh-huh. He's so rich and successful and handsome and has a family and he's like, every day if something if I'm not like working my ass off, I think I'm going to lose it. Yeah, and I'm like, you realize that's not sane, right? And he's like, yeah, but it's made me successful, but like. He found a woman who helped him, like, calm down and be less of a psycho. Mm-hmm. But, like, all these people who do weird, special things, it's because their brain works differently. Oh, yeah, for sure. They But they even say there's a beautifulness of... I think I call myself, like, a high-functional anxiety person, which is hard because no one assumes that you deal with it. Because mm-hmm. it, like, causes me to be highly functional. <laughs> I yeah, use yeah, it yeah. in good ways. But I recently learned something, like, apparently of, like, some huge poetry contest like eight of the ten people had bipolar disorder oh wow and it just shows how like just because your mind is different and it has some like disorder Mm -hmm. they call it means you could be like incredible at certain
0: things oh absolutely i totally believe in that i think i think i think to do anything uh um, different or in the spotlight or something you have to be a little bit off yes in I mean, I'm fine with being a little bit off. I've always been weird and I'm I'm okay with that. And I'm fine with the times I've been sad. and, And I think it just sort of like makes you more human. Yeah,
1: I'm recently working on this thing where when I get upset about something, instead of trying to talk myself out of being upset or like fix it immediately, being like, you're allowed to be upset.
0: The only way is through.
1: 100 percent you nailed it (laughs) but i also that's why i think i like comics so much because they're so weird and they've learned how to embrace it well they also make i i think the thing i
0: also love about comedy is the ability to make painful things funny you know they're saying like uh pain plus time equals comedy and like i was very much raised with that like i mean when i was 12 my dad sat me down and said he was dying like i was like which is incredibly painful he didn't die he's a fucking badass in his words, you can't he's kill him. He's still around? Oh, yeah, he says he can't kill me. He's too mean. <laughs> uh, he said That my, is so traumatizing. No, it's, he's fine. Every
1: second you think he's going to die, you're like, you're still good. He's like, it's been 70 years. Yeah,
0: <laughs> he said He's literally had cancer for 20 years at this point. Oh my God.
1: Like, like legit. Like, the, the cancer is like, like not even, kill me. Not even in remission. He literally gets chemo <laughs> twice a year, but he goes golfing
0: right afterwards. But that's a fucking badass. But, the thing, but he was so, both my parents, were so fucking funny mm-hmm. the entire time like my dad went from being like a strong muscular 39 year old man to looking like he was 70 and like would fall over like he was so oh so God. sick but he was so funny about it like as a little kid, and so was my mom like as a little kid I'd be like mom is dad gonna die and she's like the only way he's gonna die is if I stab him <laughs> so and my dad that humor
1: probably helped him oh get God. through it
0: and my dad even like so so he would like fall over if he needed to get up and get something. So mm-hmm. I'd be like, dad, you want me to get that? He's like, no, nah, I'm going to get up. I'm going to do a backflip into a, the pike position. <laughs> land." Over there. Like he was so funny about it. And I feel like that's why I love comics so much is you can, you can find humor in the worst things in life. Like, well, That like, also goes
1: back to like when you asked me, like why would you do this similar thing to tennis? Mm-hmm. And it's like, because like, after time I was like I need to talk like because of her whatever reason I have the blind confidence to talk so much mm-hmm. I need to talk about like my anxiety and stupid shit that I've done yeah and find like h- happiness in it Absolutely. it's like my story wasn't done and I like realized how I want to tell it yeah even I though I mostly them. make fart jokes now, but like I'm gonna get there. <laughs> I have not heard one fart joke from you, and
0: you've been to my house for a couple hours now—not one. I but think, I have I think, you're, I think you're high level.
1: <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm just one of those high level comics. You're very, meta. very cerebral. Yeah.
0: <laughs> How would you describe your comedy? Like,
1: I think my comedy is goofy. I like to think it's also like from a powerful perspective of a woman, mm-hmm. and it's it really observes um. It's a lot of dating stuff mm-hmm. Because I'm single So I'm currently in that phase Where I'm like I don't want a boyfriend Dating's exhausting Because of A, B, and C Or like cuddling's mm-hmm. not even fun Like I kind of went through A journey with that
0: Yeah um, Cuddling while you're sleeping's not fun Not fun No one fun. wants to be smothered
1: I like to just find like That different perspective I think growing up in sports And around guys I always had a um, Perspective that wasn't Like I know how to be One of the guys And now I'm like Using it against them
0: Ooh it's smart <laughs> Yeah way to divide and conquer i love that <laughs> like i
1: wouldn't i like never send nudes and i recently got yelled at by this like cute 24 year old girl she's like you don't send nudes they're so fun to send only
0: if they're like your boyfriend you don't send them to f- tell this 24 year old girl no don't Dude, send them to but random but they grew people. up in
1: like the snapchat okay, era well it's still not smart and they're used to, and i said but also me i know dudes i don't care who they are how much they love you at some point in their life they're gonna say you know rachel o'brien These are tits. Yeah. And like, I just don't like that. I'm
0: like, my tits aren't that great. They're (laughs) saggy, guys. You don't want that photo.
1: Do you know how many angles I have to shoot that from so they don't look like flapjacks? Come on. (laughs) I just think we are in a different time where like women don't need men like they used to Mm -mm. for the same reasons. And I love kind of digging into that.
0: Yeah. I do a lot of dating comedy too, which I feel like I I hate the...
1: I hate the like the it's stigma. a female comment.
0: It's like, oh, you can only talk about like, and it's like, well, that is w- what a lot of women go through is dating and dating bad dudes. And like, you want to tell stories about it. Sorry if it's yeah. not, if, sorry if it's hacky.
1: Yeah. Dating's weird. Am I right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But I, I just think I'm also fairly new to comedy. So it's like my first takes on stuff is like, just like in the dating world. Yeah. And I hope well, to- you, you
0: write what you know, that's what you're exactly. currently doing.
1: And it's like the most relatable stuff. And I hope my friend was like, "You should talk about your dad in tennis." And I'm like, "I'm I still don't know how to do it the right way yet."
0: I think it would be very good, but you're not you're not ready for it yet. Yeah. Or like, not that I'm saying you.
1: No, I actually am not. If you don't feel
0: like you want to do that, if you can't tackle that yet,
1: yeah, that's. You'll know when you know, and it's also interesting because I've had I don't I haven't really talked about reality TV at all on stage because I'm trying to like show that I'm a comedian and I'm not yeah. like I'm here because I'm on a Bravo show, especially in New York City where people have been hustling for like 13 years to get any you know mm-hmm. time on stage, and then I'm like on a show and someone gives it to me. Yeah, but so I've been focusing on that. But, then but my they
0: would f- do the same thing.
1: A hundred percent. That's what
0: we talked about on the phone. Full disclosure. I before <laughs> so I'm gonna uh, feature open
1: whatever for you at your I like to say feature, feature whatever,
0: <laughs> for your show in LA and you, you asked me and I was originally like uh, admittedly mm-hmm. and I've actually already talked about this on an intro mm-hmm. and realized like what a dick I was I was initially <laughs> kind of insulted where I'm like I've been doing this like eight years. I've toured. I've performed in Kosovo for Mm -hmm. the troops. Like, like this is bitch. I perform for the troops. I'm not opening for someone. This is anti-American Hannah. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, Oh my God, how can she ask me that? Like, Mm -hmm. like she's only been doing stand for a certain amount of time. And Mm -hmm. then I was like, shut the fuck up, Rachel. And then, so I, I'd mentioned it to to Deanna. I think
1: you dealt with it very well.
0: Yeah. And that you were
1: like, I want to talk to her to see, like, who she is, where she's coming from. Because it could have been a dicky move by me just being, like, a cocky, like, bitch. No, it
0: would never have been a dicky move. You didn't know any better. And you didn't know that, like, I was way too sensitive about that. Like, how stupid of Mm -hmm. me. So so I messaged her back and I was like, can I call you? And then I ended up calling you. We talked on the phone. And Mm -hmm. I, before we even talked on the phone, I knew in myself, like, Rachel you're being such a sensitive asshole like I I knew but also like
1: I don't want someone to be on my show and not feel like comfortable like they want to be there that's why I was like I'll talk about whatever she wants to talk about yeah to make sure it's good and also I think hearing my perspective of like I'm the newest comic in like all of the New York shows right now so anyone who features for me is so much more experienced than me and I've been using it as just like an excuse to like hang with people
0: (laughs) no but but i also like in in the same token of me even saying that to you i also admittedly have used any relationship to my you know reality friends and any time i ever appeared on banner rules as a way like i get it Mm -hmm. you should use it and Mm -hmm. any of those comics that have been doing for 13 years would also use it Mm -hmm. it's not anything to be ashamed of at all yeah like of course you're gonna like yeah if you can sell if you can headline a show and you can sell enough tickets and get that stage time, yeah. fucking do it. And also, like, I don't, don't want to have
1: to be like, okay, I need to find someone who, does, who has done comedy less than me. I would literally have to pick up an open micer. <laughs> so like, I literally don't have <laughs> options at this point. That's <laughs> but I do think I, because I dated a comic, I learned a lot of like the respect for the art. And I think mm-hmm. what people first said to me when I got into the community, I'd already known a lot of them, which was great. Mm-hmm. But they basically were like, look. You're going to get stage time, but you can easily lose it by being not good Mm -hmm. or like people not respecting your hustle. Yeah. So they were like, if you're going to do this, do it the fucking right way. If you're going to like L.A. similar, um, there's a way of getting respect in the community and Mm -hmm. it's a very tight knit community. Mm -hmm. So I've been like i've been performing like literally last week i performed in front of six people at like some restaurant oh yeah and like i'm trying to get those in Those are the best those <laughs> are the ones well those are the ones that you you walk they're in they're just they're hilarious
0: it's like it's so
1: it's basically a dinner conversation Yeah, it's so
0: like i'm sorry did i just walk into your living room and i'm talking <laughs> at you and you're not even expecting to hear comedy it's yeah. like so fucking uncomfortable I've, i
1: started doing the weirdest gigs my friend basically was like for the next year Say yes to everything. Mm-hmm. I drove two hours in Pennsylvania to do like a random like ten minutes for my friend. I'm just like getting my ass beat, yeah. but then I have these moments where like I have the show with you, where I'm like, okay, now I get to celebrate in front of my crowd the hard work I've been putting in. It's gonna be awesome, and it's it's. I'm just like I want to thank you for calling me, talking it out, and deciding to come on. Well, I want to thank <laughs> you for asking me to do the show. I,
0: honestly, I totally get it. Like, mm-hmm. and I wasn't even like it wasn't even like I was. Upset. It was more like a combination of just like probably two because you're not the only um, reality person that's now all of a sudden doing stand up. And yes, of course, I you know participated in Vanderpump Rules so they would f- air my
1: stand up. But I yeah. had been doing stand
0: up for five years. You also four don't or five
1: years before I even did that. And so it was like you don't want to necessarily align yourself with something that like you're not kind of proud of. Or you you uh-huh. want to make sure that I'd been like doing it for a little.
0: No no yeah I I think it was also just like a weird um it was almost like a chip on my shoulder for other comics too because yeah. I know people have been upset with me that I've maybe gotten more stuff because of that and like I think about like and you know sometimes it is hard for a, a white male I can think <laughs> of like I can think of like some male comedians I know that are like 40 something mm-hmm. and are so fucking funny but they just haven't had a shot to get to that next level mm-hmm. and so I kind of was like I don't I feel bad that, like, I feel bad about half the stuff I've gotten because of, Mm -hmm. you know, in the association. So I'm kind of like, I can see how frustrated certain people
1: might be. Uh, And times are changing with comedy. mm -hmm. But it's funny because the same comedians who, like, talk – and kind of talk shit behind my back maybe that like oh, i got be, that's the comedy community yeah, they,
0: but like you know they're uh, also the, the first unbelievable amount of shit people they're the first about ones
1: that want to come on my podcast oh, yeah. or the first ones asking me to put them on their show but also the first ones who were like hey can you teach me how to you i love how you promote yourself on twitter i love how you make mm-hmm. videos and like i will help them like comedy's changing and i do like to say like at first i was like i'm a personality but over the last couple over the last year i've really been pursuing stand up hard mm-hmm. and it's like you, Stand up. The hardest thing is admitting that you want to do it. I think in the beginning,
0: hundred <laughs> percent, especially to even like friends and family. Mm-hmm. Like, well, I, I would say anything in entertainment. I'm. I moved to L. A. on the pretense. I told my parents I had like an internship. or something. I don't even know what the fuck I said, but it was a lie. <laughs> it was a hundred percent a lie. I was like already had an agent. I was already trying to go on auditions. I was already oh trying to do stand up. Like, but I was like, no, no, I have to be here for this um, job offer <laughs> that Important I have. Meeting. And it took me so long, so long to even admit to myself, like, yeah, I just want to be in entertainment. I want to be a comedian. And that's and I listening an to that
1: honest voice in your head. The whispers mm-hmm. that are like, this is what you want to do. I've also... Because think- it's
0: embarrassing to say. And if it doesn't work out, you're like, oh, God,
1: fuck. Yeah. And I think also because I had dated a comic, if I were just to get in it, like, he would shit on me or like, it would be like, I, I, everyone would be looking at me. So mm-hmm. I had to really make sure I wanted to do it. But I also think I've learned from other comics in the industry who... Like at night, I'm not hanging out with like reality TV stars. I'm not like partying. That's Mm. I I know it might look like I'm probably living a glamorous life to an extent. What I do is at night I have a set and then I Mm. hang out with my comedy friends who shit on me all day (laughs) and they keep me in line. Mm -hmm. It's funny. My one of my best friends is Andrew Collin, who opens for Nikki Glaser, Mm -hmm. who is like her theater tour opener and i literally yeah. dm'd him and i was like him hey, going to dc do you want a feature for me and he like literally laughed in my face and he was like yeah i guess we're doing it like it's just <laughs> that's just what i can't help it i, guess is what it I is sold now. out dc and i'm like bitch i need i yeah. need someone and he's like fine but then i know that like
0: but he, he knows you're a good person you're not trying to be a dick exactly and, and it's just a situation I,
1: I have right now mm-hmm. but these guys are they're also they're the first to be like you know, that was your crowd. And like this joke actually wasn't funny. You shouldn't do it anymore. Like I've had people mm-hmm. say that and I kind of respect that and I like it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, hanging out with comedians has been helpful to keeping me like, you can't just, if, if I were just coming to the comedy community and like go by my own rules and like think my shit doesn't stink for whatever reason, I think that's an issue. Mm-hmm. But if you want to be a comic, doesn't matter where you came from or what you're doing, like respect the art and then like watch it grow. And mm-hmm. You've you also, seen it change. You also
0: are a very down to earth person. Like oh, you're thank not you. you don't I mean in the time we've already spent together you have not once mentioned like oh it's so cool that I'm on this reality show or it's so cool that like <laughs> you you're very you're a comics comic you really thank are. you thank yeah. you I'm gonna wrap it up that was by the nicest
1: thing anyone could ever say to me <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm gonna wrap it up by asking you a few listener questions okay
1: cool because
0: we I These can talk to you favorite. for forever we've almost been doing an hour also already.
1: Rachel's coming on my podcast you guys oop, oop. I kind of feel like I could do it I feel like we have we momentum right now let's do, do it, do it. Let's okay do it. We're, we're recording after this okay so um Allison
0: Schofield guys Listen, don't <laughs> expect me to pronounce last names. I can barely pronounce words, so just let me live. Uh, she said, tell us about your amazing grandma.
1: Oh, my and God. I was like, I want to hear about her, too. You guys, so my nana, her name is Vera Zileo. She's from Brooklyn, New York. And, yeah, she met my papa on a, like, church dance he asked for her number. She just said it out loud and he goes, "What?" and she goes, "You need to remember it." He tried <gasps> different Yes, he tried she different needs to numbers. She's reading a dating book. Yeah. She tried different numbers for like like 2 or 3 weeks he said before he got it. And then I asked her what the first thing he noticed about her was and she goes, "Probably my ass." Like she's <laughs> out of control. Of I love her. But growing up, she just was the most glamorous woman I've ever met. She still is. 8 a.m., I'd go downstairs. I literally
0: started paying attention to you because of her. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's why it's the first thing in my bio. I'm like, granddaughter of this person. No, I literally,
0: like, I started paying attention to you, I think, because you did Philly like a day before I did or oh, something. Cool. And so I saw you on the calendar. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, who's that or whatever. And then I, like, clicked on your Instagram. And then I was like,
1: your benches video, I think, with your grandma, uh-huh. whatever was up. Oh, and I was yeah. like, who's this woman? <laughs> I was entranced by her. It's okay. So the wildest thing about my grandma is she has never had any plastic surgery. She, she has she's this, bugging me. She has this Italian like skin. She just stays inside. She she has a whole video about how she's kept up. So, she's naturally beautiful, but it's the glamour. Like at 8 a.m. I'd go down for breakfast. She's cooking, high heels, always showing her shoulders, always an off-the-shoulder.
0: Listen, this is why my mom also tells me all the time. My mom says I I dress like I just walk out of a women's penitentiary. <laughs> because our generation, we fucking suck. Like <laughs> I also I, love a the fluid like max shirt, ugly. Wrangler jean shorts what here in like leggings who knows? and whatever. Like, we look, I love no offense, it. You're and
1: beautiful. We look horrible. <laughs> I love pretty- Androge's dressing, but I also think it's because my mom rebelled against her because mm-hmm. like everything was about how beautiful her mom was. And she's like, fuck this, and like focus yeah. on being really smart and stuff. My mom is actually like, drop dead gorgeous. It's annoying. Um, I'm gonna be so hot when I'm like 77. That's, That's my pri- literally dating. I'll show photos of my grandma as like a selling point.
0: She's unbelievable looking. It's, but we need to step it up. The fact that she's wearing heels making breakfast, like.
1: I'm No, but, but what she said that was very interesting because my dad always says he hates when girls wear too much makeup. And him and my Nana, because they're both very funny and outgoing, mm-hmm. we'll get after it a little. And this last week at my n- Nana's birthday, my dad brought up like, you don't have to wear so much makeup. And she looked at him and she was just like. I grew up in a time that women were just valued for their looks mm-hmm. and getting a husband was the most important thing. Yeah. So I became the best at that. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I wish I was like Hannah and got to focus on she like did, did a career. She took the competitive edge. She was so competitive She's so, so smart, so competitive, but that was all life was about. It's true. And what's so amazing about her is that she... What grandma, first of all, even thinks they could go on Instagram? Talk about blind confidence. She recently was like, what is a tweeter? I want a tweeter. I'm like, D- okay, calm it down. But she has an Instagram that my 13-year-old cousin helps her run. I am I consider myself a manager. She has like
0: 7,000 followers, by the way. She has
1: 7,000 followers. I posted about her on her birthday. I posted about her on her birthday and she goes, oh, the only thing I want for my birthday is 5,000 followers. She got 2,000. She called me. She goes, Hannah, I'm feeling overwhelmed. I want to respond to everybody and I can't. I'm I'm getting wrinkles from looking at my phone. Oh, my God. So now she's complaining that she has too many followers. But she She can't keep up. I love them all, but I just don't know. I said, you need an assistant. Tell my cousin. will message me and be like, Nana's engagement is down. What do we do? She also refuses to post during good hours. She posts at 7 a.m. every day because she thinks my followers like to wake up to my words of wisdom. Oh my God. She posts thirst traps with motivational quotes on every photo. This woman is out of control. I almost need to report her. She's amazing. (laughs) She's amazing. And in person, she's that amazing.
0: I fucking love her.
1: And she has such a sense of humor, too. I think I got that from Uh, her as well.
0: She's like my idol.
1: So anyway, follow Nana Still Got It on Instagram, you guys. she really does. Don't follow me. Follow her. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, okay. Next question. Uh, <laughs> Haley Weehee. Ah, uh, Hannah is the best. She <laughs> said. Ask her what happened to that sober comedian she was dating. He just disappeared.
1: Oh. Uh, oh. Okay. Well, Oh. I de- okay. I had like the boyfriend that I dated for a year who like helped me fall in love with comedy, but mm-hmm. also... Um, I had to go therapy for two years. But then I recently was talking to this like six six cute, shy comic. He was sober, too. They're all sober, so I don't even know. But it was one of those things where like he didn't have a job. No, he didn't have a job and he lived with his parents. Oh, good. And that's where like I'm working on a bit where I... I literally was like, I'm rooting for white men. Like, I will lie to my mom and tell them, like, he's an entrepreneur. And it's like, he sells weed. He just smokes weed. Like, he's not doing anything. Um, I'm surprised
0: your mom even cares. See, my mom is like any t- any person I ever introduced to she thinks I'm marrying. It's so desperate. So same thing with my nanny. It's so desperate. My nanny actually said to my mom the other day, uh, what was it? when?" So I just started dating my boyfriend maybe, like, back in May. It hasn't even been a year. She said something along the lines of when are they getting like when is their wedding or when is yeah. like i'm like not even an engagement yet nothing <laughs>
1: my mom will actually she's similar where we'll be at a, a restaurant and she'll be like the waiter's kind of cute i'm like he's 22
0: still and in college he's a waiter
1: and he's a waiter let's just she's like but he's tall and i'm like okay well i see where you're coming from but yeah this late this comic it, life has actually gotten more complicated as i've gotten more success with guys where, like, oh, I believe that. He's been doing comedy for, like, nine years, and I was, like, helping him get a spot at this, like, club. I and can he, see how that I would bruise the ego for him, I don't think he liked that at all. Yeah. And I don't think it's why it ended, but it wasn't helpful.
0: Okay. All right. <laughs> Madsfeld. OMG, so excited for this. I don't know if this is too intrusive, but I have heard Luke hooked up yet. Hooked up yet. You
1: guys, why would you ask that? That's literally my story for the season. You have to tune in. You have to see... Yeah. Um, be a yeah, Lucas is sexy this season he is
0: cute i uh i listened to a little bit of watch what crappens uh talking about summer oh house today God. and all they could talk about is how hot he is and i was like is he that hot and i like turned on the watch part of the show i was like he's yeah, pretty cute He's <laughs> okay. pretty cute. Yep. it's,
1: it's cute. like an annoying hotness though it's like we get it you're yeah, we, hot oh, we
0: we get you have abs yeah we understand that you don't eat butter by the stick like i do <laughs> we're all with you
1: like your face is symmetrical suck a dick
0: yeah Anyways. <laughs> uh Dana, I can't say this last name, Roholch, I don't know. Um who will be at the shore house this summer?
1: Oh, the shore house. They mean summer house? Yeah, I don't understand. The, well, I don't know yet. We're not even renewed yet. So you guys need to watch to make sure we get renewed. All right, see? Tune in.
0: Some PR move right there. Yeah. All right. Kellen, um, who is her? Oh, I like this question. <laughs> who is her white whale to get on her podcast as a guest? And he, he said, same for both of us.
1: What is white whale? I think yeah. just like your dream guest. My dream guest. I think of comedians who I love. I really love Chelsea Handler. Mm. I actually taught her in tennis once. Ex- oh, shit. Like, she just, like, joined a group that I was Was she teaching. funny, just naturally? Hysterical. I love it. And I was, I, I don't read, but I read all her docu- her <laughs> biographies. Like, I was obsessed with her. And I really don't get starstruck, but with her, I was really- This is before I knew I wanted to do comedy, too. I was still obsessed with her. Yeah. And afterwards, I, I just got the balls to be, like, I was, like, 22. And I was, like, do you have any advice for, like, being successful or, like- Aww. And she looked at me and she goes, I got lucky oh she's awesome i just think that she's she'd be fun to what go a cool answer i also think amy schumer would be fun which is crazy because like i'm good friends with nikki glazer who is very good friends with amy mm-hmm. so i'm like kind of good friends with amy i mean one technically one you guys off, are best friends we're technically best friends
0: <laughs> practically related who are yours um my dream guest was anthony bourdain like that was like <gasps> i used to like tweet at him i would do like i Ugh, I was obsessed with him, so like I have to stand by that's still my dream guest.
1: I went to I had a shitty um, science teacher who we took this like food science class, mm-hmm. and instead of teaching us, he would just put an episode of No Reservations on, and it was the greatest it's class I ever had. You need. We listened, we watched every single episode, and it was fascinating. It and covers it was, all the
0: things: uh, cultural, you know, learning about other cultures, mm-hmm. food, uh, being a human, mm-hmm. travel.
1: He was a truly special individual. He was amazing, yeah.
0: Well, thank you for doing this. <gasps> thank you for Tell having me. Tell everyone where they can find you, where they can find your tour
1: dates, mm-hmm. buy tickets. Amazing. Uh, follow me on Instagram at beingburns, B-E-I-N-G, B-E-R-N-Z. And um, Burning in Hell podcast, B-E-R-N. It's a comedy mental health podcast. Rachel's going to be on it. Wooper. Check that shit out. And yeah, go to com. I'm going to Texas. I'm going to um, Wisconsin. I'm going to New Jersey, Connecticut. San Francisco might be over by now, but. Everywhere. Every fucking where, and if I'm not where you you are, tell me where you are, and I'll find you. Perfect. She'll stalk
0: you. I'll find, you. find you.
1: All right. Bye. Bye.